kia ora, Suzanne. It's um, lovely to have you here with me today on the Resilient Kids podcast, um, episode five, and looking forward to talking with you about uh, something that you've been thinking about in relation to your children. So um, would you like to briefly introduce yourself and then tell us what your topic is? Kia ora Madeline and um, kia ora koutou katoa. Um, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. So I'm mum, a partner, a daughter, mm -hmm. uh, part of a much larger whanau. Um, my whanau are from the Eastern Bay of Plenty and down the East Coast, Te Whakatohi and Ngāti um, So big family, big whanau. Um, I'm a teacher and mm -hmm. have uh, worked in lots of different places and, and taken on lots of different roles. Um, and yeah, I guess my, the most important job for me is uh, raising my two children. So they yeah. are nine and seven. And um, yeah, really excited to join you today. So thanks so much for having me. That's my pleasure, absolutely. So what are you thinking that we'd like to talk about today? So my topic, um, the thing that I really like to get some insight into is perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So just uh, particularly with uh, my older child, um, yeah, just that, that pressure that they tend to put on themselves to do everything right, to come first, um, to avoid mistakes at mm. all costs, mm. yeah. yeah. So, so what do you, I imagine that you've done a bit of research and reading and thinking about this, A, being a teacher, but also, um, you know, being a mother of a perfectionist. What do you really know about it? So I know that um, this is common. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps more common in eldest children. Um, being one of those myself, I, I know that, uh, you know, in, in my childhood and probably in my adulthood, I've always put a lot of pressure myself to, to do things really well, as, as well as I can. Um, but of course, we learn from, you know, we learn the most from our mistakes. And as a teacher, I know that if we're not willing to, make those mistakes to take what I, I I talk to the students about taking academic risks you know like if we don't try something that might not work mm -hmm. then we're not going to grow we're not going to learn we're not going to develop so um, those are the things that I, I guess I kind of know about the the topic and mm. very sort of personal um, for me in terms of my you know growing up but also you know having my own children and so when you're thinking about this, what, what are the issues that uh, that come up that you are facing as a mum? So I guess, you know, like there's, a, there's always a, a positive and a negative side. So in terms of the positive, I have, um, you know, two children who um, are very self-motivated. They, um, they have high expectations for themselves. They like to get involved with things. Um, but I guess the, the 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 side that concerns me is where they are pushing themselves to a point where 
um, you know, if something doesn't quite go their way, they, they feel very disappointed or um, they feel very upset or, or just putting a lot of pressure on themselves to mm. either be the best or get a place in the race or, um, yeah, just that, that pressure. Mm. So yeah. where, where do you think the pressure comes from? I have worked really hard to try and instill in the kids that we take part in things because we want to give it a go, we want to have fun, that it's not about um, winning or being the best or getting the certificates. Mm -hmm. um, so I've worked really hard there, but I'm just wondering, is this some way in which I have subconsciously conveyed this idea that we have to always do our best mm. um, so, so there may be something in that or not but I'm also wondering about a big picture what's happening in our kids world now that is making them compare themselves with others that's making them think that they're not good enough what, what else is going on do you think I guess in the school context there's still a lot of emphasis on you know, getting the certificates and mm -hmm. getting up on stage and receiving that praise. Mm -hmm. um, although I think, you know, my, my children's school, they do a great job of celebrating the things that everyone has to offer. Um, my children don't do a lot online in terms of social media, so I don't feel that they are necessarily comparing themselves to others. Um, I couldn't say if like within the classroom there's a lot of competition um yeah I, I don't know that I necessarily see that so yeah I'm kind of I don't know I'm sort of a little bit of at a loss yeah so I wonder how you could find out where they feel the pressure's coming from yeah that's a really good question to ask right so I guess um I probably am always looking in here inside myself for, for the answer. You know, what am I doing? Mm. Um, I guess I'm not looking at that wider picture. I hadn't really sort of considered that wider picture. Mm. Always, um, I'd always kind of thought it must be something that I'm doing. Well, you're a <laughs> mum. And, we, you know, we do have that tendency to make it about, you know, the things that we can do. But as our children are growing into the, in, into the world, we know, especially pre-adolescents and adolescents, they get, they get most of their affirmation from their peer group, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if that's starting to happen earlier and earlier in our children's lives... Um, what's what's occurring that's making them feel pressure? Something that has just, as you say that, that has just kind of occurred to me. Um, two and a half years ago, we completely uprooted our life mm -hmm. and moved to a, a new city and a new school. Um, so I wonder if there was a bit of pressure there to, you know, coming into a, a new environment with, um, new friends, fellow students, new teachers. I wonder if there has been a little bit of a, a pressure to, to do really well because you know mm. we're here and we've got to show that, that we can do our very best and that mm -hmm. we mm. are things. Um, yeah, just on reflection, I wonder if there's a bit of 
bit something of that in there. Mm. Yeah, because mm. I don't, um, yeah, I, I can't say that I've necessarily heard that sort of that talk about competition and that kind of thing. But yeah, I guess it, it must be there. Um, so there's something also often about a psychological pressure that we don't really talk about this kind of ulterior communication that happens between human beings that we don't name or talk about. And often that's what the thing is that drives us or drives our children to develop in a certain way. Yeah. And, and I suppose the other thing is to really listen, to, which I'm sure that you do, to what they're saying about who they are. Yeah. Because yeah. what they're developing is their story about their lives and the person that they are. So when we're thinking about being perfect, it's often I'm not good enough until. Yes. So therefore, how can we reinforce and support our children to know that they're good enough, they are enough, they have yeah. enough, they just for being who they beautifully are? Yes, yeah. And I feel like that's a message that we've always tried to, um, you know, try to, to instill that their value and worth isn't dependent on, on our praise, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah. the, the language we use if, um, you know, kids have, have found success at something is we always say, oh, you must be really proud of yourself, you mm -hmm. know, you must be proud of the work that you've put in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we try and make it not about how proud we are, because mm -hmm. you know, I am aware that you can you can build that sort of, well, I need to do this to please my parents, and I need to do this because I'm pleasing, I want to please mm -hmm. other people. So it might be interesting to understand a bit more about that. Who, who are they doing this for? Yeah. And, um, and if they're not able to be absolutely perfect, what does that mean? And is that true? Yeah. So there's a, there's a tool by a guy called um, Daniel Arman who talks about having ants in our head, automatic negative thoughts. Yes. And there's an article on my website, you can download that. But um, what it does is it helps us to understand those automatic thoughts that we're not even really aware that we do. And he says it's like an infestation, right? They just come in and who wants ants in your head, really? Um, so he says there's four questions. So is it true? So is it true that I'm not good enough if I get a full stop wrong? Um, and then he, know, he says because our um, feelings trick us, is it absolutely true? Where's the evidence? Right. Like that. That, yes. that suits my sense of humor. The third question is, when I believe that thought, which is really interesting because actually that's what it is. It's just a belief about you. Mm. How do I feel and behave? Yeah. Then the fourth question is, when I don't believe that thought in my rational present moment, how do I feel and behave? Uh. And... I've added a fifth question to it, which is, so now what? Now that we're aware of this, how do I want to be? Ah, yes. That's a great last question um, for so many things, because I think often we're having conversations around the, our thought patterns, mm, um, mm. how we're thinking about 
a situation, mm. how we're thinking that other people are thinking. So I've, yes. had, I've had this conversation um, with one of my children. Mm. Um, so again, trying to uh, achieve a level of perfection or, or, you know, trying to get something good enough. Yes. Then um, the comment was made, oh, but, you know, my teacher's going to just think that this is like complete, complete rubbish. Mm, mm. So we went through um, a process of, uh, trying to put ourselves in our teacher's shoes. So what do we know about your teacher? Mm, mm. Oh, she's really nice. You know, she's really, mm. really helpful. She's really caring. And so, okay, if you were in her shoes and she was looking at this work, what might mm. what might she say to you? And then my child was able to say, oh, actually, she'd probably say that I've actually tried really hard at this. Mm. And um, they were able to verbalize, mm. you know, those uh, things that the teacher might say but at the end of that process so a question like so what now would have been really useful because we no. kind of got to that point where my child was able to see that they had been very hard on themselves that what they had done their teacher mm. would probably see mm. see their hard work and that it yep. would be good enough mm. um, but uh, so now what question would have been a good next step and so you can have that one. <laughs> really good, yeah. yeah. So the other tool that I sometimes use is I've got a couple of um, monkeys that I use in my workshops and um, I, I get kids to pretend that we've got a, a friend monkey and a mean monkey. And when I'm, you know, being the perfection part of is getting the monkey to say what it is and then getting the friend monkey to talk to you. Yeah. And so then you can actually say, so if, if, if actually that was a real person, how long would you want them in your life? Because we're the only person that's going to walk through our whole life with us. Yeah. And we have a choice about whether we're going to be a mean friend or a kind friend. And a supportive friend. So getting, and, and so again, it's another tool to help, kids to more concretize these idea of observing our thinking and yes. understanding what we're actually saying to ourselves yeah so taking outside of themselves so that they can sort of really see what's happening yes in the head yes and um that's yeah. a tool for and actually having um a physical you know animal or you know you can get the kids to choose their kind toy and their mean toy yeah. And, and you know then they can act it out almost mm. yeah, useful yeah and hey, then um, yeah sorry you go no I was um I was just going to share with you an another a story so something oh, lovely, that, lovely. Oh, if this is a good time to share it please do um, so the situation was there was cross country, school cross country. Um, there was a bit of talk about, you know, taking part in the cross country and trying to, you know, trying to do their best. And mm -hmm. um, I'm very much, you know, like you're just going to go and have some fun. And you know, if you if you get to the end and you've got a place, well, that would be a bonus, you know. So really trying my very best to, you know, not make it some big competition that had to be won. Um, and so um, one, one of the children um, came home and hadn't placed in the 
I don't know, top 10 or something that we're going to go on to the next mm-hmm. big event. Um, and they were very upset, not because they hadn't placed in the top 10. They, I think, had come like 15th or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which we all thought, wow, you finished the, the race. You ran the whole way. That was really fantastic. Uh, it wasn't the not um, finishing in the top 10 because we tried mm-hmm. to do some talking about what was going on in our heads and, you know, why we were feeling upset. Mm. And the upset was this. I should have trained... <laughs> I should have done some more training than what we did at school so that I could have achieved this thing, which was being in the top 10. And I just just was sort of like a little bit blindsided because I really didn't know, you know, like, wow, you know, you're thinking you're putting pressure on yourself. You should have trained, you know, like, you know, right, like running every day, and you know, like where did this idea of I should have trained, I should have been training harder, I should have done all this stuff to achieve this thing, mm. and I, I did actually find myself a little bit lost there. Right. So the first thing is that this child has got a really good strategic mind because if they want to get to a different outcome, they have got some planning and they've done it. So that's just fantastic, isn't it? that you've got a um, you know a child who actually can see I don't like that result and there is something that I can do about it which really shows that there's optimism there because they have um, potency over their behavior so that's the first thing the second thing is you know is that your goal do you want to spend your time doing this so that you can you know become a Olympic runner you know is or whatever it is is that what you want in your life um, and the next question is, what, um, in terms of prioritization, where do they want to spend their time? Because in fact, if they do want to become an Olympic runner, absolutely do the training. But actually, if this is just a sport that they're participating in, and it, it doesn't matter whether they come 10th, 11th, 15th, or 120th, um, in the scheme of things and so I suppose that's the question is to go back and say so you know is your goal to become a a regional runner you know is that what you want to do because you might be thinking about you know how you want your life to be or to um, you know that if you don't get in the top whatever you're not going to be chosen for the rugby team or you know because sometimes these things have connection yeah so to understand the motivation again behind why they wanted to become in the top 10. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing I, um, which I, I quite like this idea is first is always worst. Yeah. Explain that. <laughs> yeah. So whenever we try something, we've, it's the first time we've ever done it. And so therefore we're never, ever, ever, going to know what we now know that we've learned from having done that exercise so therefore the first time we do something will probably be the worst time we'll ever do it yeah yeah and then because we learn things from it we're going to improve and get better should we choose to 
yeah, that, and that's the point, isn't it? Should we choose to? Yes. There's, there's also a child who likes to be involved in lots of things. Yes. Um, so it's not just the pressure to do really well at one particular thing. Mm. It's, um, I guess, maybe just an age where there's lots of lots of different opportunities at school, lots of different yeah. and cultural opportunities and groups to join. And and we have a child who just wants to be involved in everything and um and, and, and yeah so well at everything yeah sorry to interrupt and one of the things that we're now having an opportunity to talk about is boundaries and yeah. at the the limit that we have around our energy around our money around our time and what's reasonable and the way we know what's reasonable is we go back to our family values and to understand that. So it's fine to want to do 125,000 things. I've often said I'd love to have like three wives. That would be really helpful because <laughs> <laughs> you know, then I could do all these other things, yeah. other people helping me to do that stuff. Yeah. But actually, I've only got one life. I've only got one body. Yeah. And um, therefore, I have to, whether or not I'm the wealthiest person in the world, I still have to be able to prioritize my time and energy. Yeah, yeah. And and that was um, that was really useful actually. I think you've you've got an example of that in your in your book, the Parenting Road Code, around boundaries in terms of time. Because I think I think I felt this pressure as a parent mm-hmm. um, to have your child involved in so many different things. You know, mm-hmm. are they doing dance? Are they taking music lessons? Are they you know, involved in this sports team, are they doing this and doing that? And th- there's pressure, mm. I feel, as a parent to um, to be making sure that your child is out there doing mm. all these mm. things. Mm. And it can be expensive. And yep. in terms of time, it can be, you know, it can get pretty exhausting. And it's just when, you know, when you're a family, it's just not practical to no. Be involved in every single thing, but I know that I feel that pressure as a parent, um, because you know other parents are like, oh, are they playing this? You know, are they mm. doing this? Oh, they're not. Oh, they're not in that team. And, mm. and, um, and you can hear that little ulterior message, eh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, therefore, being able to, as a family, going, um, our family play one sport a season our family learn a skill, whatever, I don't know, whatever the boundary is that you decide so yeah. that when you have that pressure from other, you can go back and, and you've got some language and words to be able to still stand tall and say, for our family, these are the decisions we've made. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, just going back to those values, what are important mm. to us as a family, um, what's important for us as a family unit um, this is not just one person who wants to do all of these things, you know, that impacts on everyone. So yeah, having those boundaries and having that, that language is mm. useful. And when you think about that, like as a teacher and parents are coming in and saying, I want my kids to learn this and this and this and this and this and, you know, within the maths class, what would you be saying? Um. I definitely have this happen, you know, when we have parents evening, Mm -hmm. it's just sort of parents come and it's like, you know, they, they need this and this and this and this. And, and um, 
I'm sure the, the student's feeling overwhelmed and mm. sometimes I'm sitting on the, the other side of the table and I'm thinking, whoa, I'm feeling quite overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, I, my advice is always to pick some a couple of key areas, um, areas where uh, they have interest or they have articulated that they want to improve in this particular area. And I would always, yeah, I would always say, Let, let's focus on those. And then yeah. things will, will probably you know, come along mm. with, with that, so. And so now you're doing some the same kind of thing, understanding prioritization, and actually you've got your curriculum too that helps you to create the boundaries. So the things within the curriculum that the kids need to learn within this particular part of the year, and those other things will come later and we're setting a limit. That's right, yeah, yeah. And so you've got, you've, you've, you've got the, um, the strategies that you use as a teacher and so we can pull those good things into your role as a mum. Yeah, yeah. Those skills, like you say, you know, what are your, and it's been quite good just um, reflecting over the last week, you know, what, what are our strengths? What are the, mm. the, the, um, the strengths that we have that, yeah, we can utilise? And Nice. Um, and you're so right, you know, like sometimes, I guess I sometimes feel that pressure, like, I'm a teacher, I should be good at parenting, but I have realized that teaching and parenting, there's an overlap, but they are also very different. Yes, they so, are very, very different. Yes. <laughs> so drawing yes. on the strengths of, I actually, of, you know, of both. Um, yeah. Being a parent has, um, I've been able to draw on the strengths I've developed as a parent and become a better teacher. Mm, nice. So what do you think you're taking away from our short conversation today? Just the boundaries. Obviously, that's really clear. Um, and it can feel, I know when you're trying to um, implement or uphold those boundaries, when there are those pressures like social pressures um, or even pressures within the family unit from one of the family members because they want to do lots of different mm -hmm. things. Um, just having those boundaries, those expectations, having the language, well, in our family, mm -hmm. you know, this is what we do. Um, in terms of um, managing sort of individual, uh, my individual children and, and their sort of expectations of themselves, just using these conversations and the, these, um, you know, the, these probing questions about where they want to put their focus and mm -hmm. where interest um and that will help with the boundaries because I think they will realize well actually I don't really want I don't really want to do all everything mm. things I, I'd quite like to focus on um, and then when it comes to you know those individual hurdles of um I really wanted to do well at this or I'm going to you know I'm going to come top at this or whatever just having um you know those conversations about what's going on in the head so mm. trying to externalize some of what's going on on the inside and, mm. and using your monkeys <laughs> be really useful and then also those questions about the ants in the head so if we're upset because something hasn't gone how we wanted it to go which is usually you know, wanted to achieve this particular mm. thing um, and then I've got this lots of negative self-talk. Yeah, is it true? Is it absolutely true? Um, I think that's really important when I believe that thought, how does it 
feel. Mm. It's really that's really powerful. And and when I don't believe that thought, how do I feel? Um, I can see how powerful that that mm. will be. And then, as I said, that the so now what? Because I yeah. think as a family, we're quite good at having parts of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking that learning forward. So now what? You know, so yeah, how does this how does this keep us on the road? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds lovely. Thank you. And I look forward to hearing how it goes. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the, the tools just in this short amount of time and giving me so much to think about and some real concrete tools that I can, you know, I'm already replaying in my head some of the conversations that I've had with, um, with children mm-hmm. and, and also, you know, with my partner um, and, you know, just sort of, oh, if I had these questions and these kind of tools, how might those conversations have otherwise played out so um thanks thank you that's my pleasure and thank you so much for spending this time talking with us about managing perfectionism I really appreciate you taking the time and um as I say I look forward to hearing how you get on thanks so much Madeline okay kia ora kia ora